So, ladies and gentlemen, um, those who've been in the general session um, have seen uh, both Kim and I on the program at the same moment in time. It was a total surprise to me at the time, since I was getting a lifetime membership, thanks to my lovely bride. And I very, very much appreciate that, especially since that space next to her life membership will finally have a companion. And uh, when I go to the lifetime member's reception, I won't feel so much as an interloper. Very much appreciated. It's a breakfast. Well, that's even better. I like those better than receptions. Anyway, what we're going to talk about next um, is a pretty amazing thing that's happened in the world of libraries for those who have print disabilities of one kind or another, and that's the Marrakesh Treaty. And things associated with how we got to where we are, um, what's next, and how we might uh, deal with the whole process of getting from where we are to where we need to be to take full, uh, full access of that spectacular opportunity. I have to tell you that when I talk about Marrakesh to people, they frequently think it's all about how other countries can get access to our collection. That is not my, uh, my expectation. I think that this country could sure use a lot more Spanish language books. And that perhaps the rest of the Spanish-speaking world might have a few of those that we could borrow. Strangely enough, and, and this is anecdotal, so Karen, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, where do you think the largest collection of Arabic recordings is located? The U.S. of A. Yep. In private hands, but in the U.S. of A. So it's a really squirrely world we're in here. There are things that I'd love to be able to get access to. And there are things that others are desperate to get access to. Um, and I don't see any reason why there should be a barrier to that when we're all in the same boat of being print disabled in one form or another. So I'm now going to turn the microphone over to the president of the American Council of the Blind, the director of the Perkins Braille and Talking Book Library, and my 24-hour-a-day boss, Kim Charlson. Do you want to stand or sit? I have it right in my hand. Thank you. Thank you. He's going to let me sit because I was standing most of the morning. So thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I asked Karen to stay up here as well because she and I often talk about Marrakesh. I made reference last night in my speech to some obstacles that are still facing us in the United States. And so Kieran is well engaged in um, helping to deal with some of those obstacles. So her um, input is going to be important later in this conversation. So Marrakesh, United States became the 50th nation to, to officially uh, be recognized as a Marrakesh nation on May 8th this year, um, and it took a lot of work from a lot of people over a lot of years um, 
to get there. And a lot of negotiating uh, with the library associations and the consumers would just about have everything okay and then something would go wrong with the publishers and then we'd have to go talk to the publishers and then the library association would be up again. And we went round and round for years trying to get everybody on the same page and it, it took a while. Um, but we, we did finally get there and we've got Marrakesh to show for it. So how do we take that next step. So one thing that I became engaged in before Marrakesh was official in, in 2016 was um, the Accessible Books Consortium. And this is an entity under WIPO, that, which is the World Intellectual Property Organization that manages treaties. Um, and ABC, which I have to be really careful when I'm doing my work, ACB and ABC and all my C's and B's and make sure they're all in the right order. Um, ABC is the, um, the organization that started out um, working on how to do cross-border of sharing when cross-border sharing wasn't exactly quite yet legal um, because Marrakesh wasn't really in force yet. So, but they were trying to put into place a mechanism where it might work, and they called it TIGAR. And that was an acronym for something. Trusted Intermediary Global Accessible, Global Accessible Resources. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, NLS was very involved with TIGAR. They put a lot of um, Braille materials into that. Um, Canada was involved. So there was a lot of testing and work on sharing. And um, that was kind of one of the early projects of the Accessible Books Consortium as it started to grow. And one of the other things they have been working on is the development of a process to catalog um, accessible titles, not collect the files, but to, to collect and vet the um, titles and before Marrakesh was um, in force, ob obtain the copyright holder's permission to make those books available internationally for sharing. So the last um, I had heard that um, catalog of titles that can be searched and utilized by authorized entities to borrow is nearing 600,000 titles um, that have been cleared. And it's going much more quickly now because the countries that are signees to Marrakesh can put those titles into the catalog. So um, there, there lies one of the beginnings of some of the obstacles that we are starting to deal with with Marrakesh because, as Brian said, um, Marrakesh is an opportunity for us to get books from other countries and other languages uh, around the world, and it's an opportunity for them to ask for materials from, from authorized entities in the U.S., and the number one authorized entity that most of them want to ask for those resources from is going to be NLS, because it has the largest collection in the world of English language books that are well-produced 
highly sought after books. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I would say confidently, I would say yes. Um, so, so right there is something you have to think about. What if all the other 49 countries started asking for NLS to provide them with books that they want to share with their borrowers? You think there's a problem there? Somebody's got to handle the workload, right? So, so that's one part of the, the equation. But beyond, so there's got to be somebody who processes um, these requests. So how do we process these? What's the mechanism for processing these requests? Where are they going to come into? Who's going to handle these requests? Um, are we going to put catalog records into the, um, the Accessible Books Consortium catalog? Or are we going to have access to a different catalog so people know what's accessible? Um, is there a place where they will be able to search for what NLS has? Are they going to email every time they want to ask for something and there's a little librarian sitting in a chair answering those emails? I don't think Karen has a little spare little librarian in the corner that's going to be able to answer all these questions from other countries. In fact, I think she's down um, an international services librarian at this time. So, so staffing resources are a big challenge. Um, cataloging records and what are we going to do and what languages are they going to come in or go out in is another challenge that bibliographic people have to worry about in the library world. Um, how we're going to you know, communicate those records and, and deal with all those things. And, um, and some people are even asking, well, will individuals be able to search the catalog? And will we be able to, as individuals, access titles through Marrakesh and get access to those files individually? Um, right now, the way Marrakesh is set up, it's authorized entities. So in the United States, I believe we have four authorized entities right now. NLS, the American Printing House for the Blind, Bookshare, and I believe the California State Braille and Talking Book Library Service. Members of, that's members of ABC. That's members of ABC that are different. That's different for the Global Book Exchange, which is the, the, the official name of the book lending service. We have four authorized entities. So what is the process? Um, Karen's involved in IFLA, the International Federation of Library Agencies. And I think I'd like to have her talk a little bit about the conversations that they have had about Marrakesh and, and some of the other challenges that NLS is looking at, that Karen is thinking about, that she and I have talked about with respect to this, because these are obstacles. They're not insurmountable obstacles, but they're things that, that we are trying to deal with right now to, to move, the, you know, move the issue ahead so that we can effectively Im, you know, implement Marrakesh. So. Thank you, Kim. I'd be happy to talk about some of that. Um, on the international level, we are looking very seriously at what are the options that a library would have 
And if individual persons were to be served under Marrakesh, which the treaty allows, um, how would you, for example, know that a person in Botswana was actually an eligible person when you sent them your book? Um, these kinds of questions need to be need, need to be sorted. We don't really know. Then there's the whole issue of formats. We at NLS use an encrypted format, and it's it's a certain kind of daisy, but it's not the standard kind of daisy. And m many of the other libraries use a different, you know, a more standard kind of daisy formatting, which. The issue here is they have to be converted before you could use them. You couldn't just give somebody in Spain, for instance, an, uh, access to BARD and say, there you go, um, even if they were eligible, because when they downloaded something, they wouldn't be able to play it because it's encrypted and they don't have a player for that. So these are, you know, from our perspective, every time we bring a book in from the Accessible Books Consortium, it has to be converted into our format and encrypted so that we can make it part of our collection. Um, and by extension, whenever we export a book through right now, through the Accessible Books Consortium, <clears throat> somebody, hopefully not us, but somebody is going to have to convert it to a format that the borrowing library can use. So that's, you know, there's a lot of technical things that are going to go on. But I think that Fred mentioned this this morning, and I think this is really important, and that is that the Marrakesh Treaty is great for, you know, getting novels and, and, you know, light reading and stuff. But where it's really going to be important is when students can get textbooks <clears throat> and can pursue education and jobs. And that is where it's going to be the most impactful, I think. Which means we need to recruit university um, student uh, disabilities, what do you call them, students with disabilities offices and places that have done some conversions of textbooks so that those could become available. Um, APH, if they're a member of, you know, they're, they're an authorized entity, they've got stuff. And it's those kind of things that are going to make, I think, the big difference. Not that my, my collection is not important, it is. But when you go to school, you need textbooks. And I think that's where it's going to really make a big difference for people. And working that part out, is way more complicated than me and say ONSE and RNIB and and uh, Canada get together and say let's swap our collections. So again, there's just there's a lot of things, as Kim mentioned, a lot of details, a lot of things that have to be worked out, a lot of conversations that have to be had, and a lot of trials that will have to be taken out in order to see how is it really going to be effective. It would be nice if we could just say, we've got this thing done, you know, we finally got ratified, let's go, hooray, hooray, and we, we're happy about that, but there's a lot of work to do. Okay. Yeah. Great, thank you. So, questions? Um, Karen and I sure have a lot. Do you have some? <laughs> so, we've been asking each other questions for the last several months. <laughs> I think we lost our, our last rounds mic runner. Oh, Michael, that'd be great. Here, you can take my mic. Sure. You're going to have to run it back. I don't mind. Just whatever. All right, who needs it? You, 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 she said she's first. All right, here you go. Right here. Here you go. This is Judy Wilkinson. So when do you think individuals I mean, will be able to say, 
open our stream, our Victor stream, go to that place that says Other Daisy Books and get one. I don't know where that place that says Other Daisy Books actually alive, uh, goes. <laughs> oh, it's in, it, it's, I think what it doesn't we, work in this country, we, but I'm, you know, it's almost a trick. It's not, I really am just serious about I, I understand what many, you're saying. Um, that's way far down the line, I realize. I think that that is way far down the line. What does it mean today? As of now, NLS is able to exchange books through ABC, and the lawyers who are very conservative um, have told us that it's okay if we exchange one for one, for example. So we have resource issues, because as Kim said, I don't even have a librarian to do this work right now. But um, specific requests, I think, funneled through the network libraries for a specific title could potentially be addressed um, when when uh, ABC opens up. They're going to have a, an interface where people can actually go in and look, but they can't actually download through it. They have to do, they have to get it through somebody else. But I think that's kind of on the near horizon. Um, the whole let me search for you know other Daisy books. Um, that's farther out. There, you know, if you are, for instance, a Spanish speaker and you know that you can go to ONCE and you can get, ONCE is the Spanish library, and you can get the book that you, you know, that you want, and you can talk your network library into forwarding that request. If ONCE's catalog is in, in ABC, for instance, that could be got. But, but um, you're, it'll be down the road quite a while otherwise. Okay, anyone else have a question? Yeah. Right, hang on, I hear a gentleman over here. Um, oh, actually, I think. All right, right here? Okay, gotcha. Yes, sir? This is a friendly neighborhood pest, Paul Edwards, and um, I'm asking a question to, w to which neither of you may have an answer. Um, well, that but I'm surprised <laughs> that, that one of the entities um, that's involved for the United States Distance Learning Ally, and I wondered if you guys had any information on why that is. Whether they are involved with ABC? Um, I have no idea. Kim doesn't think they are, and no, we don't know why. Uh, thank you very much. Anyone else? Who's next? Okay. All right. All right. And I'll come back here. Okay. So, right here? Okay. This one. You sure? Did you have a question? Um, I don't really want to give you my name for this question. <laughs> um, can I ask it under terms of you probably won't, you won't turn me in? Hi, I'm Abby. I'm new here. <laughs> there's no okay. dumb questions and there's lots um, of dumb answers. <laughs> okay, I know that, that um, as soon as I, uh, the ink was dry on the Marrakesh tree, I decided, because I, I used to get, when I was a student, I was an English major and the only place that had Chaucer and Middle English was, of course, R&IB. Yeah. And so I filled out an application and um, sent it in. And bottom line, they said, you can, we'll send you Braille books, but you can't download anything. Um, like I said, don't turn me in. Is in that, is, in did I just slip through the cracks? Is it because they, they, they knew me from before? I think? would suggest that that was done on an interlibrary loan basis. Right. I assume that you sent them back. Um, <laughs> no, you don't have to answer that. 
I'm no, just no, assuming. I, 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 oh, sh but it wasn't through the library. It was just. It was just. It was just them and me. Well, I'm glad that worked. Um, we used to do do have cross border interlibrary loan, and then then it was decided that that we couldn't do it anymore. Um, but you know, if you've worked something out with RNIB, who am I to say you shouldn't have? <laughs> Thank you, Abby. Um, hi, this is Josette. I'm actually from Vancouver, BC, and I will say that I'm very fortunate that I get NLS as service because I do a lot of uh, stuff that most blind people wouldn't do to get it, like going across the border, and I have a U.S. address, so uh, they allowed me to get the book. So, but what, but what I, um, <laughs> I've been asked by other people up in Canada, why can't we get barred? Why can't we, um, you know, I don't know, I just feel that we should be able to get the cartridges up there since we're such close neighbors and uh, well, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people uh, up there have been asking. See, and the thing there's is such a there's <laughs> such a mess up there with the library service because apparently the CNIV aren't. I don't know that much about it because I don't deal with all that. But well, um, they're not getting. They're not. Uh, their we, library is turned over to the uh, public libraries, I think. And and my right. concern is that the public libraries don't know that much about blind people's needs. And um, although I'm all for public libraries. You know, it's a complicated Doing all answer. This. And let, um, me, let me just answer your question why you can't. It's because the federal government of the United States pays for all this stuff. And they, the law says, the law says that it is to be used for residents of the United States. Well, it is, but the, it, that's not extended because the law still says it's restricted to people, residents of the United States. The law, our law, the America Implementation Act did not change our law. So we still can't do that. And by the way, I don't believe when we actually can do it that we will be loaning hard things. So we won't be loaning cartridges and machines and it'll all be digital. All right, anyone else? Yeah, uh, okay, gotcha, coming through. Oh, try it. Always trying to get the mic, and I, I know I'm picking. I'm picking. <laughs> uh, this, I think, this kind of impinges on this, although it's more technical. Um, I can understand why NLS. Oh, Mike O'Brien from Troy, New York. I can understand uh, why uh, <clears throat> NLS and other agencies with the with restricted restrictions need to encrypt the books. But why does NLS use a different Daisy format than the Daisy? Pub International Standard. I, th I wasn't there when that decision was made. But once the decision was made, we needed to standardize on something and not keep changing it. And Daisy was was morphing at that time, and I'm guessing that that's why we had to choose something and then make it work. And the new Daisy, newer Daisy formats don't do anything for us that we need. So um, we've stuck with it so that. When, when we build Bard Mobile or, you know, our machines and stuff that everything will play. All right, thank you. Anyone else? Back here? Okay, here you go. Oh, oh she's on the phone. Do you want to answer <laughs> Anyone this else? I don't mean to take this over. Any other questions? I, I don't have a mic, so that's like my mic. So. Can, you can come here and share. <laughs> uh, I don't see too well, so just talk to me. Like. We're sharing. Okay. <laughs> okay, good deal. Yeah, right here, right? No. Oh. 
Ah, the gentleman. Okay, here you go, sir. I'm so sorry. No problem. Yep. Steve Bauer from uh, California. This is, probably is out of order, but I, I can't help. Uh, Judy was talking about uh, earlier um, the fact that it was possible to change uh, barred uh, Braille books to accommodate different length Braille displays, and Judy started to answer that question, and I'm, I'm hoping maybe she can finish that answer because that's very interesting. Steve, or well, whoever's running. We still have the mic runner. Hi. It's Judy Dixon here. Um, in the earlier session, we were talking about feature, Braille features in Bard Mobile, and the fact that we have the opportunity to adjust your Braille display length. It's, we call it reflow, but in the um, it's called display length in settings. Just go into the Bard Mobile settings. That's there now in the version that is available from the App Store, and you can change your reflow from 12 cells to 40. The default is 40, but um, because the books are 40, but you can change it to something smaller, and it will intelligently reflow. It doesn't just reflow and it doesn't care. It cares about paragraphs. It cares about hard page breaks, and it cares about all those things. And and it and it's so it's a it's a very intelligent reflow. Does that answer your question? The other point that I made earlier, and I'm just going to make it again because I think it's so cool, is that uh, we now we will have very soon in Bard Mobile we will have auto scrolling, and a lot of people have really been asking for that. So I'm hoping Braille readers are keeping up with the. Braille in Bard Mobile. I, I know we are looking into making it a little easier to use. It, it, it's a, I, there's some, a lot of limitations in voiceover, which is why that we have all that complication of worrying about your reading position and why it's so easy to lose your reading position. But we are um, in dialogue with Apple about possible ways to make it a little, a little easier to use. This is Judy again. Um, I had understood that because of the digital way that BRF files are, they're text files basically, that that will be an, uh, something you can, will be more easily available to do when you start uh, working with other nations. Is, is that true or not? Yeah, I think BRF is a pretty standardized, standard format for contracted rail files. Um, there's another one called PEF, which I think is more geared toward um, embossing, but I th and that's those two will be uh, exchangeable. And I think you're right that it's a pretty good standard. It's just an ASCII file, so that makes it easier. Okay, coming to you, ma'am. Oops, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> We're dancing up here between those of us who don't want to sit down and those who don't want to stand up, you know? It's just the way it works. Maybe this has been covered. Uh, Carolyn Burley from Canton, Ohio. And sometimes uh, there will be a book in series. And I, uh, 
uh, of James Patterson. Everybody says you read them. He's got a lot of series. How do, are, are his books listed in the series or are they listed just alphabetically and you've got to figure out what the series is? That's what, and not only him, I mean, there's other books that I'm reading in series, but it's hard to find out which is the first and the second and third books. Yeah, you can Google those. So, <laughs> is, is the, are they are there on Bard saying this is a series and then there's these books in this series? Get it by hold, this hold, hold for a second. <laughs> Bringing it back down to earth here for a moment, okay? If you look at your program, subject was what? Thank you very much. So it morphed into things beyond that, and I really need to bring it back. Remember, there's supposed to be uh, continuing education credits and all that kind of stuff, so we have to stick to the program, so to speak, as part of that. So I want to thank Kim and Karen for helping us out here with this discussion of Marrakesh. As you can tell, we can celebrate, but uh, what they say is the devil's in the details. Yes, now, much. Passing is one thing. Implementing is entirely a different kettle of fish. And we're just getting started on that. Yes. Adam? I'm going to repeat the question. The question was, have the difficulties that existed between the libraries, the publishers, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, resolved themselves. I I would say yes. Um, I don't think we would have gotten to where we are today if they hadn't been resolved. Um, are there questions? You know, you, we've laid out a whole plateful of questions for you today that that li you know libraries are working on, um, and who who is going to be an authorized entity. You know, is that going to be your local public library? Is it going to be your local talking book library? Um, you know, your university library? Which library is going to do the, the ordering? Where are the books going to come into? Where do orders go? All those things that Karen and I were talking about, those are the kind of things that the non-accessible libraries out there are hoping we're going to take care of for the most part. I don't think they're jumping up and down, and Karen can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they're jumping up and down saying, we want to do it, you know, let us help you. <laughs> they want us to come up with the process and the protocols and pretty much be the conduit for the accessible book sharing. And, you know, that's a conduit that's familiar to all of you who are the consumers, and it's it's... That's, I think, what they are looking for out there in, in the general mainstream library world. They want us to, to put this all together, make it work, and, and tell them it works. Um, so, so would you agree, Karen? <laughs> That's kind of the, the feeling I'm getting is, you know, let us know, um, send us a memo when everything's in place and we'll be happy. You know, That's what they want. So, <laughs> okay. This must be the very last and we'll question. And we'll repeat it so Michael doesn't have to get up and run around again. Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh -huh. um, so, we've been talking about the impact of the Marrakesh Treaty on the United States, but, but, but the truth is that the 
Um, the, the question was, what's happening in the, in the less developed countries to um, make, make Marrakesh a reality? And the answer, as far as I can tell you, is there are some organizations that are working one-on-one -on -one with various countries to develop systems that would implement um, some library opportunities and thus some Marrakesh possibilities. The, uh, ABC has a, a line of effort in that regard, they've worked in some places, I forgot where. Capacity building. Yes, capacity building in, in some of these um, countries. I think that there are some other efforts um, by some other organizations um, as well. I know the, um, I, another organization anyway. So there are some organizations that are going to uh, less developed countries. What less developed countries are doing on their own, I do not know. I know that in Latin America, there has been some work from Argentina and some of the other countries to, to, um, to collaborate with each other to try to build a kind of a regional network that would provide material across borders. Latin America countries were some of the first ones to actually um, ratify the treaty, but they didn't really have a whole lot to offer. So um, there are some efforts going on. There will be a tremendous lot more work to go if it's really going to become a real reality in, you know, all over the world. Okay, once again, let's thank these ladies for their information. And of course, their advocacy, because this is not something, uh, you know, they're being paid the big bucks to do here. <laughs> this is long-term stuff that they've been involved with and their staff and et cetera, et cetera.